The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the first Product Spotlight episode of the MarTech Podcast. In this episode, we're going to get a guided tour of a tool that over 100,000 agencies and brands use to better understand and evaluate what marketing campaigns make their business phones ring. CallRail is a self-service SaaS platform that tracks phone calls to provide campaign attribution and performance insights, including their call scoring system that uses machine learning to analyze every call their customers take to help them understand where they're coming from and which leads are the good ones. Joining us today for our product spotlight is one of the sponsors of our show, Mark Sullivan. Mark is a full-stack SaaS marketer leading the multi-channel customer acquisition team at CallRail. And prior to his current role as the show's sponsor and leader of the CallRail marketing team, Mark was a multi-time startup founder and an SEO-focused marketer. Here's our interview with CallRail's director of demand gen and marketing operations, Mark Sullivan. Mark, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you, Ben. It's great to be here. First off, let me just say thank you for being the show's sponsor. We appreciate you supporting not only the show, but the MarTech community. So it's an honor to have you here, and we're really privileged to have you as a part of the show. Thank you. We're excited to do this. A few of us on the marketing team listened to a few episodes, and we're really excited about what you're doing and the people you're bringing on. So we're excited to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And let's jump into the detail. Let's start off by you telling us a little bit about what CallRail is. So we serve a little over 100,000 businesses, primarily in the US and Canada. We arm them with the data they need to understand what's making the phone ring. So you think about businesses that are tracking lead form submissions. They're looking at Google Analytics to look at their conversions. Many of these businesses also have phones sitting on their front desks or on their sales team's desks. And they really have had a challenge in the past figuring out how to attribute their marketing efforts to those phone calls, those inbound phone calls. So we build software that's really easy to use. It starts at $30 a month. And we've really focused on a self-serve intuitive interface that really takes the complexity out of call attribution and helps people understand what's making their business's phone ring right down to the keyword level and which content people are visiting on a website prior to making a phone call. So I want to talk a little bit about the problem that you're trying to solve or that CallRail is trying to solve. You mentioned that there is an attribution component 
There's also lead scoring. How do you think about providing value to your customers and what are the pain points that led to the foundation of CallRail or at least the version that's available today? I'll start with how CallRail got started. So we have two founders, Andy Powell and Kevin Mann, both Georgia Tech graduates. And one of them, Andy Powell, had a independent BMW auto repair shop directory online, bimmershops.com. And he built this into kind of a powerhouse using SEO and some paid search methods. And it was getting a lot of traffic. So he began to sell premium listings on this site. And he kept hearing this feedback from customers that would churn or maybe they'd stop advertising, stop paying for the premium listing. And these customers would say, well, I just don't think it's doing anything for me. But he had the data on the analytics on his site. He knew that they were getting a lot of traffic. And he really suspected that what they were doing was picking up the phone and calling directly from BimmerShops.com. So he said, I'm going to look into trying to attribute these phone calls and figure out if there's some way that I can create a more accountable metric for my customers to show them that their listing is actually producing phone calls and their investment with us is producing phone calls. So he teamed up with Kevin Mann and they built a call tracking application using Twilio as a carrier. This was sort of early days for the call tracking space, at least in terms of using cloud technology and Twilio outside of the enterprise world. And he built a tool that started at $30 a month. And they didn't even know exactly that this was going to be a business, but he decided he had to do this for his own business, bimbershops.com. And so he built this and he was able to see, oh my gosh, my premium advertisers are getting a ton of value out of their investments. And he incorporated that into the reporting, started telling a few people about it. And then he realized... I have a much bigger business here, or at least potential, than BimmerShops.com. So he began to make the shift to focusing on call tracking and analytics and making CallRail sort of his full-time job. So how should marketers think about the value of a phone call as opposed to some of the digital activities that they're trying to drive, downloads of white papers or form fills? I think that as we've moved from a retail world where we sell products and services in brick and mortar stores or face-to-face traveling salespeople or field marketing, the value that's inherent in those conversations, we've taken online. And because we can track everything that's digital, I think that there's been a preference as we've made the shift to digital to really focus on things that we can track. I know I've been guilty of that wanting to do things that we can track even over very solid investments that maybe I have to use a proxy metric to sort of tie the investment to the value. And I think that we've lost some of the power of those human interactions that happened, whether it was in a retail store or face-to-face. There is a desire, an appetite among consumers of of products and services, and even the, the most digitally savvy ones to have conversations often, especially local businesses, small businesses that don't have retail distribution channels that are very consistent, easy to understand for the consumer. People want to call. They want to ask questions, especially with high consideration, high intent purchasing decisions. They really want to talk to somebody and find the information that they want. And I guess to your first question, sort of how how should marketers think about this? So I think there's a strong case to be made that a lot of the momentum we're seeing in voice bots and voice interfaces with these new breed of devices, Google Home, Alexa, the Echo devices... They're meeting a need that we have to just use our voice to talk. And it's very efficient. It's a quick way to get information out, to make a request. And I think that as we see that ballooning in terms of demand and the number of devices that are being sold, 
I think that we can have confidence that there's a desire to sort of communicate by voice and your business should be equipped to take that as an inbound interaction medium from prospective customers. My feeling is that in the digital age of marketing, growth-focused marketers, you know, engineering, more technically savvy marketers have shied away from trying to drive people towards the phone because of the high labor costs, right? Because it's a highly involved channel. You have to have somebody on the other end to answer the phone, to be trained, to be able to talk about what your product is. And that is a very skilled form of labor. On the flip side, I think what us as marketers have lost sight of on some level is that you can rapidly answer your customers' questions. You can skip the line in terms of having to remarket to somebody by answering all of their questions at once. And so that's why specifically on your higher ticket items, your SaaS products or things that are a little bit more complex, you know, getting on the phone with someone, even if it's for my consulting business, is one of the ways to just cut through all of the noise and get down to the end of the sales process. So to me, it's a way to expedite the sales process as opposed to something that just requires extra labor and bandwidth. Talk to me a little bit about the customers who you focus on. Are there specific industries or personas that you think about? I know you mentioned that there was the BMW service businesses. Or What are the types of businesses that are using CallRail? So any business that publishes a phone number on their website, that sort of implied that they want phone calls. And if they were getting more of them, it would be a problem. Otherwise, they would hide the number, like many of our large financial institutions do with their support numbers. Mm-hmm. If you want phone calls, then this product can be helpful. I'd say it's even more helpful if you want phone calls and you're spending money to produce those or even to get eyeballs on your website. In terms of industries, marketing agencies, they are the most advanced users of CallRail. They use the most features, they resell to their clients. And it's really the same relationship that Andy had at Bemmer Shops. It's wanting to provide an accountable metric to customers that are paying you to produce value for them. So marketing agencies use CallRail heavily, and that's a really important vertical for us. But there's quite a bit of companies that operate in the healthcare space, in the auto space, whether it's dealerships or auto repair. In-house marketers are using this tool. And even some enterprises are using it as well. There's some hospital systems that use us. There's several case studies on our website. We can kind of see different industries. But e-commerce companies, if you don't want phone calls, use us. And more specifically, e-commerce companies that don't have the bandwidth to man or woman those phones, they're not going to find much value out of call rail. But if you have a phone number and you want to drive phone calls to that number and you're paying money to do it, then that's who we serve. So it sounds like you're primarily focused on the mid to bottom of the market, the self-service business owners the AdWords type advertisers who are trying to drive traffic to a phone number and using that as a way to convert sales. The Comcast, DirecTV, financial institutions, not the major Fortune 100 companies, but the guys that are a little bit down market. Yeah, that's correct. A lot of larger companies, they need sort of custom development, custom solutions that plug into their existing enterprise systems. And what we've done all along is really focus on the person that's using the tool day in, day out, the marketers, and these could be in-house marketers at large companies, right down to the solo entrepreneur that's just getting started. Basically, if you think about all the SMBs, these small to medium-sized businesses in the United States and Canada, many of them don't have a ton of resources and they have to do the marketing themselves. Many times it's owners that are signing up. And then as you look at agencies, sort of our most sophisticated set of customers, 
they have certain needs that are unique to proving their value, providing reporting. So we have a lot of investment in the product in terms of user interface to make it really simple for the person using the product. Because I think that a lot of this talk around attribution and modeling and data flow between applications can really intimidate a lot of marketers who are in the weeds doing a lot of the marketing day in, day out. So we really focused on user interface and then secondarily on really robust reporting and making that data accessible, not just in an interface within our app, but also to all the applications that people are using. So you're right that we focus on mid-market. So talk to me about some of the value that you provide. It sounds like you're, just to reiterate, you're trying to build a tool that is easily accessible to mass market for them to understand at a glance how their phone is performing. What are some of the other takeaways that your customers get? I usually separate our product into three buckets, three functions. One of them is attributing phone calls to the marketing sources, the the channels, whether it's AdWords, which keywords are driving phone calls, which content on our website is driving phone calls, which social media posts are driving those phone calls or website visits that subsequently produce phone calls. So there's sort of the attribution component. The second function is routing. We route leads, phone leads, to wherever you want. If you have a call center that you want to pick them up, or a call center during certain hours, or if you want to ring right to your cell phone. We have several options in what we call a call flow builder. You can decide what exactly happens with that phone call as it comes in. You can distribute evenly among your sales team through a round robin step. And then we also provide routing of the data to applications that you want. So I kind of put routing in that second function category. And then the last one is really intelligence. This is the one that's most exciting to me as we have more than 100,000 businesses using the product. We're sitting on a gold mine of data when it comes to which referring sources are actually producing the most value in terms of phone calls to our customers. We now have a data set large enough where we're going to begin to mine this to sort of expose insights and help people understand what we're seeing in the data and make suggestions. This campaign's outperforming this other one. You might want to look at what's going on there. This particular page is producing more phone calls. When we look at all the sessions that have happened and when it's involved in a session, we think that you should probably get this content in front of more people. It'll produce more phone calls. And then the last thing I'll just mention on the analytics piece and intelligence piece is we did, you mentioned this in the intro, but we did train a model to identify good leads that come over the phone that is over 90% accurate And it just answers one question, is this a good lead or not? And we hired hundreds of interns and analyzed hundreds of thousands of phone calls. And this model really helps marketers that don't want to listen to every single call recording. They want to understand what they're producing for their reports to their boss or their clients if they're an agency. It's interesting. To me, thinking about call attribution, I'm thinking about a B2B, like a SaaS model, where you do a ton of lead scoring. You're looking at what pages someone visits. You're trying to score a lead based on the time on site and whether they downloaded an asset. And you're essentially able to take that a step farther, which is when I actually got that lead on the phone, what was the type of language they were using to be able to validate whether they're a good or a bad lead? Did I have that correctly? That's exactly right. Call score is a binary score. It's good lead or not. Call score determines to be a good lead or you can manually mark it as a good lead and train the model as well. But yes, you can also search for keywords that are mentioned in those calls. You can set up alerts based on those keywords. You can filter all your data by landing page or by keyword using the filter of only good leads. I only want to hear good leads or listen to those calls. And I want to look at the landing pages that are producing those or the pages that are most involved with them. 
So yes, the model actually incorporates words that people say, all the metadata that's available as well from the call, not just human discernible data points as well. So basically, you're able to attribute which channel drove the lead, route it to the right place, and then have a conversion metric of, was it a good lead or a bad lead? So at the end of the day, what you're able to figure out is not only what channel is making my phone ring, but which channel is driving the highest percentage of quality leads through my phone. So you got it exactly right. And one thing I'm really excited about is we're moving in a direction to do this with not just phone calls. And I'll get in trouble if I talk too much about what we're doing, but I'll just let you know the data we have and then sort of imply where we're headed with this. But if you think about what we have to do to attribute phone calls, we have to collect a lot of data on sessions similar to Google Analytics. So we capture every single session because we can't ever attribute a phone call unless we capture all the session details. And if we want to give you first touch, then we have to keep that session data for your website for all time, essentially. So... If you imagine all the data that we have on the numbers of customers that we have, all the websites that they have our tracking placed on, we have the ability to track much more than just phone calls. I'll leave it there, but I'm really excited about where we're headed. And this isn't hype. I'm excited about it as a marketer because it's a pain to sort of join all these different data sources. If I'm tracking my phone calls in one channel and I want to apply a multi-touch attribution model to my phone calls... I really need to join it with like a person model that incorporates form submissions and trade show visits and all that other stuff. That's interesting. I'm actually going to go off the reservation a little. <laughs> I see a non-marketing application to this for anybody that's likely in their, say, 20s to mid 30s is you can actually do conversation scoring of first dates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. There's a partnership with Tinder here. I could feel it. <laughs> It's funny. I do speaking gigs every once in a while, and I've been sort of teaching about multi-touch attribution and how to think about it and why marketers that get attribution right get paid more. And I give them a certain story. I say, the other day I was at a college reunion and I'm talking to a buddy of mine and he says, hey, it looks like you met a great gal and you have beautiful kids. You have a wonderful family. How did you, this crazy guy I knew in college, turn into this person? And really specifically, how did you meet her? You really straightened out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not far from the truth. Go on. But yeah, basically my friends wanting to know, like, I'm not meeting the most wonderful people. I'd love to sort of understand what was your secret sauce. So I say, well, how did I meet her? After college, I ended up moving to Nicaragua. I lived there for almost five years. While I was down there, I ended up joining this Nicaraguan softball league. And I had the first game. It was a morning game. And I drank the night before. So I was kind of hungover. And I had to get a sandwich. So I went to a sandwich shop. And I saw a pretty girl I didn't know. I hadn't seen her in this little town that I lived in in Nicaragua before. So I decided to talk to her. And that's how I met her. So if you look at the data points that I gave, thinking about attribution, mm -hmm. the first one was I moved to Nicaragua. The second one was I joined a Nicaraguan softball league. The third one was that I got hung over the night before my first game. And the last one is that I decided to talk to a pretty girl that I didn't know at a sandwich shop before the game. So I use this story and I say, if I were using first touch attribution, I'd give 100% credit to the very first data point that I have. What does that tell me? Move to Nicaragua. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Back to your point about tender. Using attribution modeling, first such attribution would tell my friend he needs to move to Nicaragua if he wants to find a mate. In this case, you don't need to focus on multi-touch. You can do that later on. Just compare a couple single-touch models and say last touch in this case makes a hell of a lot more sense. So last touch would say you need to talk to more girls that you want to talk to. You don't know. Get yourself in uncomfortable situations where you're introducing yourself to someone you want to talk to. 
I think the impression levels is what's really the most important when looking for a mate. And the attribution model comes second. You need to be out there enough to drive enough interest and have repeat impressions. And we are totally off the reservation in terms of <laughs> talking about what call rail is, but absolutely multi-touch attribution is a key component to this. There you go. <laughs> I'll just end my tangential story just by saying that attribution can be a dense subject. Attribution model can be challenging, but the main thing that we do remember as marketers is we have to start capturing the data. We have to tie it to identity. We have to have some sort of identity resolution. And then we need to optimize for the outcomes that we want and then compare different models. That's kind of what I teach at these conferences. If you compare two single touch models, that might be just as useful as someone who's using a complex custom attribution weighting percentage. So don't get bogged down and really just start collecting the data. And ideally, you want it all in one place. And going back to sort of where we're headed, we have a lot of that data. We're excited about trying to use it to help marketers more. I think one of the things that ties this back into our conversation about call rail is that there's a huge difference between the first touch and the last touch attribution model. And at the end of the day, the last touch is always closer to revenue and likely more important. You're not necessarily generating a new user through your last touch attribution model. But whatever is at the end of the road is what gets someone over the finish line. And to me, that's really where the phone is the most important when you have to pick up the phone and describe some of the more complex details to somebody who's potentially going to be a valuable customer. So talk to me a little bit more about who else is working in this space. How is CallRail differentiated from your competitors? It's interesting because when I started the company four and a half years ago, it was a fairly early space. I was actually a customer before I joined the team. But it's changed a lot. We were kind of a scrappy underdog in a market that really wasn't well-established outside of sort of major enterprise solutions that cost a lot of money. So we were sort of the scrappy underdog and lowering the price point to $30 a month. And at this point, we've actually had a lot of success. And I think at least by customer accounts, we're one of the largest providers of the service. And if I look at what has led to that success and therefore what differentiates us from our competition... It's really sort of a singular focus on the customer experience of using our product. And that gets right down into the intuitive UI. There's discussions with our illustrious UX and UI team about should we really require two clicks here when they could hover over this drop down, it would just drop down and they could just do one click to get to where they're going. I mean, this level of care and concern for the user experience has led to a product that is a joy to use. And the development team has been iterating so quickly on customer suggestions that we now have one of the most full-featured, most powerful applications at a price point that is very affordable. And a lot of the complexity is exposed in a way that is not confusing. To make a parallel to another vertical that a lot of people are probably more familiar with, if you think about email marketing, right, there's Marketo, which is made for the enterprise level user. It's an incredibly sophisticated tool. The UI is incredibly complex. And then on the flip side, there are tools like Campaign Monitor and MailChimp, which are made to be accessible for people that are non-marketers, people that are not as sophisticated, but also has rich and powerful tools that allow you to do some really important activities within marketing. It sounds like CallRail is more on the MailChimp campaign monitor in the sense of being a self-service tool that is accessible to people who are not even the most sophisticated marketers, but provides a lot of powerful tools for marketers and non-marketers alike. That's exactly right. And it's always an honor to even be compared with MailChimp without us first bringing it up. <laughs> we look up to them so much. We love what they've done. 
We actually recently hired their former creative director. He's leading our design team and building out our marketing design and tech teams on the marketing side here. Anyways, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think in the end, we're a tool and the tool has to work and the tool has to have the features you need. It has to check all the boxes in those product comparisons. But if it's a joy to use, then retention numbers are impacted by that. Customer support interactions are more positive. If you can reduce the level of frustration when using the product, then it leads to an overall experience that is just happier and it's more enjoyable to use. And I can say that as a customer of CallRail five and a half years ago when I first started using it, it's still true to this day. Obviously, the user experience and the utility that you're providing is important. You mentioned that the price point starts at around $30 to start using the tool. How are people evaluating the success of CallRail as a customer? And what are some of the KPIs that they look at to be able to figure out whether focusing on their phone is worthwhile? I think it depends on the types of businesses that are using it. So if I'm a high call volume business, I'm going to use certain KPIs like call score leads, the leads that are marked by our model as good leads, more than I am listening to call recordings and manually tagging those, if that makes sense. So it depends on the business, but I think in general, getting the qualitative information appended or inputted on these phone calls really helps us close the loop. What's working? What's driving our most desirable customers? And conversely, what are we doing that's driving bad leads? I have a perfect example I give of the inverse. So I started my own agency. This was 2013. And I was using CallRail to show the value I was producing as a marketing agency to clients. And I had a dentist client that I was running a local SEO campaign for. And this particular dentist wanted to be known for mercury-free dentistry. And I said, okay, that's the most important thing. We're going to go after it optimizing the heck out of all their online listings and making sure they were showing up for paid searches for mercury-free dentistry in the local Austin, Texas area. And call volume was growing like crazy. I got them the rankings up. So we're listening to these calls. And basically, the customer, I gave them access to the call reel account because there's several different levels you can give access to. So they were listening to their calls. They said, we keep getting these calls where people are asking for free dentistry. And we are a high-end cosmetic dentistry practice. They thought the brand name was Mercury, giving away free dentistry? <laughs> it was sort of a byproduct of everything I did. It, everything I did was working. It was working so well that you took a fraction of the term that I optimized for, free dentistry. And they were number one in Austin, Texas for free dentistry. <laughs> and the only way that we were able to figure that out is through call recordings and the accountability that was involved in the marketing reporting that I was giving them. I feel like that led to a discovery of these conversations I could have with clients about things that really mattered to their business, even beyond just that particular example where I was driving leads they didn't want. But it turned into opportunities for coaching their front staff on how to answer the phone if I was getting great leads for dental implant surgery and they weren't handled correctly or well on the phone. And that was an opportunity for me to turn into more of a business partner. And I think that the KPIs from a marketing standpoint they're no different than if you hire an external vendor to do lead generation, performance-based marketing, then you're going to measure them ultimately on the bottom line or the lowest in the funnel that you can connect their data and their performance to. I think at the end of the day, there's always incremental value when you're connecting directly to your customers. You get the opportunity to react in real time, and you also get the chance to hear their feedback in volume. 
to me, that's one of the most important factors of picking up the phone is it gives you the ability to have a conversation with your customers. And that's something that you don't necessarily get through digital marketing channels. So not only understanding what is driving those calls, but being able to evaluate them seems like an incredibly valuable tool to me. Mark, before we let you go, for the people that are interested in CallRail, tell me a little bit about the onboarding process. Tell me a little bit about what people need to know to get started and figure out if CallRail is the right solution for them. So we have a 14-day free trial. There's a few different plans that you can choose on callrail.com. You go to callrail.com slash martech. You'll see some options there for pricing and also the demo request page. If you're the type of person that wants to just dive right in and dive into the tool and self-serve, start a 14-day free trial. You don't have to put in your credit card. Just start playing around with it. See how far you can get. You can always reach out to our team to get assistance or look at our knowledge base. And then for anybody who would rather just get like an overview that's more personalized to their business, their vertical, and what they're trying to accomplish, then I would recommend just requesting a demo. We do these 20-minute, no-obligation demos. We're not a high-pressure sales company. If the tool is not going to be useful to you, we're not trying to force it down your throat. So it's really more of a consultation and we'll go over the products and how it can help. And all that's available on the website. We don't gate either one of those. Okay. Well, Mark, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you again for being a sponsor of the MarTech podcast and supporting the community. I really appreciate you taking the time and for your investment to help us create some content that's going to support marketers. And I hope people that are interested in CallRail will head over to the link that Mark said, which is callrail.com slash MarTech. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And as a special exclusive offer to any of your listeners, I'd be happy to give a 20-minute consultation pro bono to any of your listeners that want it. Just reach out to me, mark at callreel.com, and we'll set it up. I'm happy to do that. It doesn't even have to be about phone calls. Well, that's very generous of you. So anybody interested in reaching out and contacting Mark directly, we're going to put some links to his bio in our show notes as well. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Mark Sullivan for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Mark, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you could shoot him a tweet at Bark Sullivan, B-A-R-K-S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N. A special thanks to everyone at the CallRail team for being our sponsor. If you're interested in learning more about how to better understand what makes your phone ring, head over to callrail.com slash martech. It's C-A-L-L-R-A-I-L dot com slash martech. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could also reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up for you, including tomorrow's episode when we'll be discussing the business of marketing ideas via the TEDx platform. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production.
Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.